Are you who you say you are? Are you a Christian? You know, one of the things that causes me to lose sleep at night is knowing lots of people that say they believe in Jesus Christ, say they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but don't live as if they do. That scares me. And you know, over the next five weeks, we're going to address this issue of practical atheists. And we're going to talk a little bit about what a practical atheist is. Did you know that the world is ending on May 21st? Do you believe that? I don't so much believe that, but it makes you think. Because what if that's the day? What if you knew that May 21st was the day that I will rise, that that Jesus is coming back? What about you would change? Well, do you know the reality is that between today and June 21st, three million people in the world, that is their reality. Three million people will die between today and May 21st when the predicted end of the world is coming. So for a lot of people, it is going to be the end over the next three weeks. It could be you. It could be me. Are we ready? Are we ready for Jesus to come back? You know, the Bible in 2 Corinthians, and turn there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 13. The Bible says we're, we're to examine ourselves. You know, there, there, are, there are numerous places where the Bible uh, commands us to examine our lives. And that's what I want us to do over the next, over the next five weeks is to examine our lives. In, in 2 Corinthians 13, chapter 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you have failed the test. You know, the message says, test yourselves to make sure you, you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They go to church on Sunday mornings and, and they just take for granted that going to church and doing good things gets you to heaven. But that's not the reality. You know, we, are to, we need to examine ourselves very carefully. So often we don't do that. You know, we're sort of like the little boy that one day was walking out in his yard, had his ball bat and his ball, and, and he goes out and, and he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world, throws the ball up and swings and misses and says, strike one. Then he's heard again saying, I am the greatest hitter in the world, throws the ball up, swings, strike two. Goes and he picks the ball up and looks at it and talks to himself a little bit and gives himself some encouraging words and, and throws it up again and swings and misses. He says, strike three. I guess I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. See, the little boy needed to examine himself and, and realize that maybe baseball wasn't his thing. So we want to challenge you to examine and test yourselves to make sure. Because I I fear that that we are raising a generation of false 
uh, of false converts, counterfeit Christians, people who, who believe in God but, but don't live that way, people who have a form of godliness. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because the Bible says at the end times, this is what it's going to look like. We'll have people with a form of godliness. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be, now listen to this, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. The message says they'll make a show of their religion. And you know, if if all you have is religion and not a relationship, then when the end of time comes, you will be judged. Are you a practical atheist? Because you see, the God who created us desires more than just us to acknowledge that he exists. He wants a relationship. You know, what you see in our world today and a lot of our religious um, institutions is that, that people believe that God created the earth and he watches over it. That God wants people to be nice to be fair and to be good to each other. But the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. You know, he doesn't want, uh, he, uh, you know, we, people don't want God involved in their lives until they have a problem. And they believe that all good people go to heaven. And it's more about comfort and individualism and conformity than it is about commitment and sacrifice and calling. And this this belief system dumbs God down. It makes God just this big Santa Claus up there waiting to give us all the things that we want. You know, I want just enough of God to keep me out of hell and to get me into heaven. You know, I don't want so much to make any changes to my life. I just want to get to heaven and stay out of hell. I believe in God, but I don't fear him. So the definition of a practical atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. You know, in your bulletins, there's a, there is an outline that I want you to fill out. And then every week in our adult Bible fellowship classes that meet at 9.15, we're going to talk about this and, 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 and wrestle with what this means to be a practical atheist. But a practical atheist is someone who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. You know, many people are smorgasbord Christians. 
You know, we like to pick and choose what we believe and how we live our lives. You know, it's like sort of like going to, to Ryan's and you go to the buffet line or the self-feeder or whatever you want to call it. And you say, ah, you know what, give me a little bit of that grace. I'll take some of that with me. Um, you know, I'll pass on the judgment. I don't think I'll have any of that. But, but give me some of the love of God and give me some of the blessing. I'll take a little bit of the blessing with me. But, but you know, I don't want this... I don't want this commitment thing, so no thanks on that. And you fill your plate with, with only the things that, that you want. You want blessing and, 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 and you, want, you, know, you, you want God to be good to you and, and to experience good things. But you don't want the, the trials and the testing and, and the You don't want any of that. You see, you're living like a practical atheist. You're living as if God doesn't exist. You don't want all of God. You just want the part that, that blesses you. And you know, there's lots of preaching out there today that focuses just on the favor of God. And the good things, you know, that God will prosper you and bless you. But that's not the reality of what God's word says. We can't just pick and choose what we want and don't want from the Word of God. I believe in God, but I don't fear Him. I believe in God, but I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live my life however I want. God's not going to tell me what to do. But I still want, I still believe I'm a good person. Psalm 36, verse 1. It says, Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. You see, this person that, that David is talking about has no fear of God. Therefore, there is nothing to restrain them. And as you look at our world, because we have no fear of God, there is nothing to restrain us from doing whatever we want. If I want to have sex outside of marriage, there's nothing to stop me because I have no fear of God. If I want to cheat... Um, if I want to cheat somebody in my business, there's no fear of God and therefore there's nothing that restrains me because I have no fear of God. Sin whispers to the wicked. Go ahead and do it. You deserve it. Live your life however you want because you deserve that. God's going to forgive you no matter what you do. It's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Don't let everybody else have all of the fun. Don't, don't take this God thing too seriously. I mean, don't become a fanatic. I mean, seriously. It's all right. Then we say, I'm glad I am not one of those wicked people. You know, Jesus one day encountered with his disciples a, a religious man, a Pharisee. In Luke 18, it says, you know, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even look up at the heavens, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, this, I, tell you, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What was the difference between these two men? The Pharisee had no fear or awe of God. The tax collector feared God. And that's what made the difference between these two. Now this word fear, you know, what does it mean to fear God? When you look at the original uh, um, wording there, the fear of God is really having an awe of God. You know, are you in awe of of the creator of the heavens and the earth? When you look at the stars, does it create an awe, an aha moment for you? When you think about the all-powerful, ever-present, everlasting, all-knowing Father, do you have an awe of him? Do you have a fear of him? You see, a practical atheist believes in this God, but has no fear, has no awe of him. Are you in awe of God? You see, because when you get to know, when you get to know the God of the universe, when you get to know him intimately, then the the awe of him increases. You're more and more in awe of him. You see, when you truly fear God, there are two things that happen. First of all, you will serve him wholeheartedly without any conditions. There are no strings attached. But what what you see today is people that that always have conditions on, on whether or not they will serve God. I will serve him, but I'm not going to stop doing this or doing that. I will serve him, but, but I, don't want, I don't want to give of my time or of my money. I just want to serve him a little bit. I'll show up on Sunday mornings. I'll do something good once or twice a month. And that's really all that I need to do. And then I'll do it as long as God blesses me for it. You know, if I can go home on Sunday morning and I feel good about what I did, then I'll serve it. If I serve and, and I see that I'm getting blessed for it, then I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do some more. There's always conditions attached. God, if, if, you, if you cure my, my daughter of cancer, I will serve you. God, if you get me out of this mess that I'm in, then I will, I will do this. I, I, will, I will serve you. I will go wherever you tell me to go. But then always when, when the, the trial and the tribulations pass, we forget about all these conditions and, and what we promised God and we go back to living our lives the way we were because there is no fear of God. I'm going to serve God, but... You know, I was incredibly blessed here a couple weeks ago. And we had a young couple come to our house. They said, you know, we, we, want to, we just want to serve God. We're ready to sell our house, to sell all of our stuff, and just go wherever God wants us to go. 
No strings attached. There were no conditions. Just their awe of God created in them a desire to serve him wholeheartedly, to give him everything. Now, not everybody's called to sell their house and to go to Africa or India or someplace like that, but God wants all of you, not just part of you, not just conditional relationship. He wants every part of you. And I fear that, that we're just giving bits and pieces. We're just, we're just giving when we benefit from it. We've got a generation of cultural Christians, false converts, people who believe in God but practice cafeteria-style Christianity. I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I want to do what I want to do. I believe in God, but I don't fear him. You know, in John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will what? Do what I command. Very simple. If you love me, you will do what I command. I want you to do something. Think about your own life right now. Think about where you're at, where your relationship with Jesus Christ is at. Is that you? Is that your life? If you love me, you will do what I command. Are you doing what God is asking you to do? Are you living according to his word? Or are you living your own life, doing your own thing? Because I'm here to tell you, that's not going to get you to heaven. Showing up here once a week and doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, that's not getting you to heaven. You see, the greatest evidence of the fear of God is obedience to God. You know, we, we, we love to say, you know, you know, faith plus nothing equals grace. And I agree, there's nothing we can do to be saved. But also, grace plus nothing is no faith at all. James said, faith without works is dead. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is unconditional obedience. It's not a what have you done for me lately kind of mentality. It's actually sort of, you know, for the children that are in here, they're starting a series called Weird. And they're going to get these these bands. You know, we are called to be weird for God. In a good kind of way. You know, the Bible says we are aliens and strangers in this world. Now, when I think of alien, I think of, of something you know, that's maybe, maybe, um, maybe a little bit weird. But the world will look at us and say, why are they doing what they're doing in a good kind of way? When we serve other people, when we love other people, when, when we give up everything for the cause of Christ, they'll say, what are they doing? You know, we got a book here a while back that talks about all the things that, that Christians throughout the century have contributed to society. And, and you know, people asking, you know, there's this, um, there's this plague going on, but there's this weird thing happening. These people called Christians, they're exposing themselves to this plague in order to care for the dying. That's weird. But that's total commitment. That is fearing God, having an awe of God, and serving him with no conditions. No strings attached. But too many of us say, God, I will serve you. I will do something for you if you fix my marriage. 
if you heal me, if you help to fix my life, then I will serve you. And we pray these selfish prayers. One of the greatest, uh, I love when we, Lord, help my baseball team to win this game tonight. Have you ever wondered how God sits up there and you've got um, the little Apple Creek um, Little League team over here and you've got the, the Fredericksburg Little League team over here and they're both praying to God, Lord, let us win this game tonight. Now, does God look at them and say, well, there's a lot more nicer boys in this group than in this group, so I'm going to let them win tonight. We have a condition on everything that we do for God. But when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, once we are in awe of God, he will ruin us for the ordinary. We, were ne- we will never be able to be ordinary again once we have an encounter with Jesus Christ then the things of the world won't be so appealing anymore. Will we struggle with those? Yes. But they won't control us anymore. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we'll look at a man who was ruined for God. Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah, I think too often... We want, to, we want God to speak to us immediately. You know, we think that if we sit down with our Bible and, and in five minutes, God should be speaking to us. But the way we have encounters with God is we spend day after day after day after day reading and praying and seeking God's heart for us. But we want this microwave kind of faith. You know, I can pop popcorn in 30 seconds. Why can't God speak to me and... and, 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 and do this great thing through me in 30 seconds either. Why doesn't he do that? I can pop popcorn. Why can't God speak to me? Isaiah chapter 6. And, and, and Isaiah, I believe, has been spending time in the presence of God, wanting him to see him. In Isaiah chapter 6. He says, verse 1, he says, And I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above me were seraphs, and each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces. And he goes on to talk about the things that Isaiah saw. And then he says, Holy, holy, then the angel said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And when Isaiah saw this, when he saw the presence of God, this is what Isaiah said in verse 5. Woe is me, I am a man ruined. I am a man with unclean lips that lives among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah was ruined for the ordinary. Then then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? In verse 8. And Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Do you notice Isaiah was ruined for the ordinary and once he met God, what did he say? Here am I, no conditions, no strings attached. Here am I, Lord, send me. Is that the way I look at things? Am I ruined for the ordinary? Because you see, when you meet God in a real way, you will never be the same again. 
Like Isaiah, you can say, here am I. Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that to say, Lord, here am I. I will go wherever, whenever, however, and do whatever you ask me to do. But you cannot experience God without becoming more and more obedient. You cannot experience God, I don't think, beyond your level of obedience. I look around today and I see people becoming, people being disobedient, not seeking God, not even having a desire to be in the Word, and yet they want God to fix their problems. We have this consumeristic mentality. And that's not biblical Christianity. I believe in God, but I don't fear him. And that scares me that we think like that in many cases. And some of you are sitting here this morning and you're, you're probably ticked off at me. That's okay. That's where I want you. Because I want you, I want you to look within and ask yourself the hard question. I want you to examine yourselves, test yourself, and I want you to leave here knowing where you stand. I don't want you to continue this walk, this, your faith, with this half-hearted cultural Christianity. And I'm I'm not saying that, that we're all there. I'm just saying I want... I want people, I want to see people that are fully committed followers of Jesus Christ that when the day of judgment comes, they will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I have a responsibility to, to, to force you to look at yourself in the mirror and to answer these hard questions. Because for some of us, for, for some people, some people want the day that, that when the day of judgment comes... And in Matthew 7, it tells us that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many of you will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? Did we not perform miracles? And I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I believe Jesus here is talking about practical atheists. People who believe in God and do good things, but they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. They have a counterfeit faith. And I hope this morning, as you're sitting there, you're ready to say, you know what? I am tired of living a half-hearted Christian life. Today is going to be the beginning of radical obedience. I'd like to ask the worship team if they would come. uh, We're going to do a closing, and we're going to open the altar up this morning. They're going to sing sing a song entitled, uh, Surrender. I'm giving you my heart and all that is within. I lay it all down for the sake of you, my king. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm laying down my rights. I'm giving you my pride for the promise of new life. And I surrender all to you. And I surrender 
all to you. I'm singing you this song. I'm waiting at the cross. And all that the world holds dear, I count it all as loss. For the sake of knowing you, the glory of your name, to know the lasting joy and even sharing in your pain. You know, if the, today if the Lord has convicted you and you really haven't trusted him as your savior, I want today to be that day when you lay it at the feet of Jesus. And you say, Lord, I want to make you my savior. I'm tired of living this fake, false Christianity. I want you to come. I want you to begin a real relationship with Jesus Christ today. You know, maybe you're sitting here and, and you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's gotten really stale and, and you're not living in obedience. And today, God is saying, I want all of you. You're saying, you know what? I'm going to give you all of me. From this day forward, I give you my life. I surrender all. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be half-hearted. I don't want to be sort of kind to in. I want to be all in. I'm going to be all in this morning. This morning's your morning. Would you stand with me? Father God, I pray, Lord, that we would, we would just give all of ourselves to you, Lord. There's that person out there this morning that has never accepted you. Or today is the day. There's that person this morning that, that, that is just tired of living a half-hearted, lukewarm life. They're ready to give it all. Lord, today I pray would be the day. And Lord, be the beginning of living this new life with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you come this morning, um, our elders and our prayer team... Um, they'll come up and ask if you want somebody to pray with you. If you don't, you just want to be here by yourself, just tell them no thanks. I'm just here doing some business. But if you want somebody to pray with you, there will be somebody up here to pray with you.